Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Burnout Expert Podcast. Today, we have a guest with us that was a lawyer for 27 years in the UK. And through that time, she burned out several times. Six years ago, Philippa, sorry, I didn't even introduce you, (laughs) Philippa Robinson. So six years ago, Philippa had a breakdown after she had major sight loss. And this is one I just did an interview with somebody else where they had lost sight in one eye. So this is something that I have heard not very common, but it is one of the symptoms as well of burnout that I have heard throughout my my years of working with burnout. And she realized that um, through the sight loss, she had to start making some changes and diving into the realities of what was going on. And she realized that some of her um people pleasing came from uh, from childhood from different traumas from different things that she was doing and she also discovered that she is an hsp which is a highly sensitive person now i don't i haven't spoke a lot about this actually i did on my other podcast but not on this one where hsp being an hsp i am myself as well as my son and that did contribute to to some of our burnout and when somebody is an HSP, it does lead them easier into burnout. So this is something that I am so excited to be diving into here with Philippa today. So with Philippa, through her healing transformation, she stopped people-pleasing. She prioritized her self-love. So we need to figure out how you stop people-pleasing because this is a big one. And discovering her identity as an HSP. In 2019, Philippa left her corporate job. She left being a lawyer in order to support women on a quest for self-discovery as a life coach. She also hosts two podcasts, Meeting of the Minds, which explores personal development, and HSP Connection, which changes the narrative through um, being highly sensitive. Philippa has also wrote a book called I See Me, which shares her childhood story and initial transformation. So I'm very, very excited. Philippa, welcome to the Burnout Expert Podcast. Hi, thanks very much for having me, Andy. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, So where do we begin? I'll (laughs) let you start because there's so much here that I really want to be diving into that is so important. Um, Let's start with your, like the, the, the eyesight, I guess that is a huge one. Let's dive into that. So tell us like even months leading into that or years or whatever, wherever you want to start. Let's start from there. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's quite, it is hard to know where to start sometimes. So hopefully I can help this make sense. So, um, 2017 January 2017 I realized that something was going on with my eye I'm I was incredibly short-sighted have been all my life I'm used to things not being quite right with my eyes but I'm I've never had anything particularly chronic happen with them I'm just really 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 short-sighted and um but it did come to light that what was happening was something entirely different and the hospital initially didn't really know what had happened. They couldn't tell me what had happened, how they were going to treat it, um, whether they could stop it. Um, and because it was kind of quite rare, you know, it might happen in the other eye or what was it going to happen in the other eye? And, and really that started a massive unraveling for me. Yes, I was really scared. But what I also realized was that I had built my life, my self-worth around doing things for other people all the time 
and being that the go-to, being the helpful one, being being the people pleaser, um, because that is how I'd learned to survive my childhood, really. And by this stage, I'm a 47 year old woman, but I am. So I'm still carrying those scars of my childhood into my adulthood with me. Um, for about three or four years before that, I had been very much aware that I was feeling much more angry. Mm. I, anger is not something that I particularly identified with over the years. I got very angry with myself, but that didn't really count. I, you know, I could really be very horrible to myself in my head, but I didn't really, really think that I was an angry sort of person. But so when I was aware that I was having these outbursts that were seemingly coming out of nowhere and something really trivial that was happening, I just, gosh, I just blow. And there were a couple of occasions where I vividly remember having a sort of out of body experience as though I was standing next to myself, looking at me, having a row with my husband and sort of looking at me thinking, whoa, where is all that coming from? And how can you be so vile? Um, and even then, it didn't really register to me that something something was going on here that was really quite big and I needed to look at it. it even then it didn't register yeah can I ask as well you mentioned it being with your husband we do from from all my experience with clients and my own personal experience it happens at home first with yes. the spouse with the kids and then it can start creeping into work did it start creeping into work with you did it mainly stay at home it it mainly stayed at home um yeah. at work I felt I, I suppose at work I felt a lot more in well, it, I'm not sure in control is the right. I, I think I probably felt like I was more in control yeah. um, and the book stopped with me. And if I did it, I did it. And if I didn't do it, I didn't do it. But I knew where I was, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I I like to think I was a great team player, but I'm not sure how great a team player I was, actually, if, if you know what I mean. I, I start looking back and you're yeah. like, OK, I thought I was really good, but maybe I was a little shorter and I needed to control things a little bit more at work as well. Well, and what I did, I just did it all. If, if, yeah. if somebody else wasn't playing their part, I just I just did it because it for over. me, the most important thing was getting it done. Yes. yes. And um, I used to find as well that there was a difference. As soon as I walked out of my house, I could put that facade on. Exactly. It's almost like I put that armor on. But when I walked in my house, it was almost like walking through my front door. I would almost feel like all my energy would come out of me. And I'd be like, Whoosh, okay, I don't have to pretend anymore. I can totally just be this exhausted person that has, that's just exhausted. And I could be that in my house, which I feel too, because I had those defenses down maybe is why I was able that sounds bad. I was able to yell at my husband more versus my clients. That sounds horrible. But why I did yell at him more, why I was shorter with my kids is almost like in my house, I didn't have to pretend. Yeah, interesting. Um, I mean, everything I talk about now is, you know, with a, with six years on with a lot of a yes. lot of hindsight. I mean, at the time, it's really hard for me to imagine really what was going on at the time, because it was just all it was just all happening, you, yes. you know, and I wasn't able to be conscious about it in any way. Um, and for me, a lot of it came on the back of feeling broken. I mean, I, I felt broken for so long, all the way through my childhood, not good enough, broken. You know, I needed to hide that at all costs, because if anybody knew the real me, they'd see how broken I really was. I literally thought, that there was something mass not massively wrong with me but I all I could see was everybody doing life and, and and doing it the way we should bunny ears should um and I couldn't do that yes I could put on a good show mm -hmm. I the front of me looked like I I was doing okay but inside I'm like I don't want to swear but can we swear no no no, no, no. I, Totally. Yeah, in, inside I'm going fuck 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 you know how do I do this how do I keep up I can't do all this ah. you know inside I'm like you, you know on, on the edge really mm -hmm. and I just had this overwhelming feeling um as I was getting towards 2017 um you know and my kids I had my kids late in life I didn't 
I had a lot of serious disastrous relationships which doesn't come as a surprise given my childhood so I didn't have my kids I didn't meet my husband till mid-30s and I had my kids 37 and 39 so by the time this was happening to me in 2017 this will come as no surprise to you my kids were at the age that I was when my childhood started falling apart mm-hmm. so and also you know I was witnessing how I was parenting and how on the whole nice I was to my children and realizing how not nice my parents were to me so there was and I was I was perimenopausal um you you know and the burnout from the job you know there was just so many things all piled in on me at, at once and I am firmly of the view that that is why I lost the sight in my eye because I had absolutely refused to take notice of any other signs my body had been giving me up until that point so where did you link that though so you were at the hospital you're getting tests find out with this eye like did you just say to yourself there okay I need to make some changes like was that the pivotal thing good god no yes Uh No, no, no. If only it were that simple in a way. No, I um, I went to the hospital and I went to the hospital on my own because I went to the optician and my optician, who is great, said, I think you need to go to the eye hospital. So I went to the hospital and, and it's all within walking distance. So I walked to the hospital, went on my own course. I did because I can cope, you know, do and I, I wasn't expecting anything bad. And then when they said to me, you, you've got damage on your retina that is permanent, I I. I like burst into tears um, and then sort of gathered myself together and walked home and just was like in a bit of a blur for a couple of days then I went back to work of course um course and ended up really damaging my neck by still trying to see even though I couldn't see but I was out I when I was out and about because I couldn't see properly out of my right eye I'd lost my um my depth perception because my eyes hadn't caught up and I'd sort of like fall off the edge of pavements because I couldn't quite you you know I tried to cross the road but I couldn't quite judge the depth of the pavement and I was like stumbling around and thinking god you know I you know disaster thinking how on earth am I going to cope how what happens if this doesn't get any better and it was slowly over the next few days and probably a week that it slowly dawned on me that my life as I knew it could well be gone. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't get the site back, and in fact, if the worst happened and I, I lost, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have built a new life, but my life as it was, was potentially gone. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I wasn't going to be able to do all the work on the computer and stuff. And I was already struggling with my eyesight as it was. So how I'd managed with one eye, I wasn't sure. And I know plenty of people do, but my brain went to, you're not going to be able to do this. And then the next thing was, and who's going to want you? Mm. Who's going to want me? Who's going to want me around? What use am I as an employee? What use am I as a mother? What use am I at, at home if I can't carry on doing all the things that I have done all these years? Mm. And it was that realization eventually that made me understand two things really the enormity of what was happening but also how um how I didn't know who I was if I wasn't people pleasing yeah I mean I didn't even know to call it people pleasing then who was I if I wasn't able to do all those things right so that was your identity and your identity was being ripped from you as you knew it Like, yes, you, you push on, you go on, you figure stuff out. And if you did lose your sight, you would do that. But your identity of being able to do all of those things for people was gone. Yeah. Okay. That needs to sink in for people listening to this because that's what we do. A lot of people that get into burnout is because we have this identity as well of always having to do all of these things for all of these people for ourselves. And if we're being truthful about it, it's often we're also saying stuff to ourselves. For me, it was, I'm not good enough. I don't have a voice. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And, and, and it, it's different for each of us, but these things do are imprinted in us that make us feel we need to do all these things for other people. Yeah. So if this never happened with your eye, would you have stopped? Good question. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I really don't know because, yeah, uh, would I have stopped? I suspect not. Right. Because the thing is, as you already said, you were already having that anger with your husband. You were already yeah. having this, like, um, needing to do everything and take over everything for people at work. Like, you were already doing these things without piecing all of that together. And it took you a couple of weeks after losing your eyesight to start saying, hold on, <laughs> maybe I'm attributing to this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like your whole identity was being stripped for you. And it took two weeks to figure out, hold on, you know, maybe I'm contributing to this. Yeah. And that's why so many people get into burnout. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I need, I need to do something here. Okay. So what did you do? Well, um, so after a particularly frustrating trip to the eye clinic where I thought I was going to get some answers and still didn't get any, I came home when I was, I was just beside myself. And, you know, at this stage, my kids were seven and nine. Mm. And I was really angry. I wasn't angry with any of them, but I could, you know, I, I could just feel it. It was just constantly bubbling away in me. It, I, I, I describe it as like a volcano, you know, yes. just like, ooh, and, and then, you know, it erupts every now and again. And I said to my husband, in, I, I, it's funny because people talk a lot about, you know, crying on the bathroom floor, don't they? And I wasn't on the bathroom floor, but I think I, I have a, a picture of me crying on the kid's bedroom floor, actually, and just saying to him, I have nothing, like, I am going to have to go to therapy. I'm going to have to find somebody to help me because otherwise I am going to end up screwing our kids up. And after what I experienced, that's the last thing I want. And if I don't get help, I feel like I'm going to have to leave. Wow. Okay. This is huge. Mm. It I makes want... me feel quite emotional just talking right? about it. Okay. Mm. So for anybody listening to this, when Philippa said that, I know my first thought was, holy crap, this is a good mom, right? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. This is a good mom who is sitting there and thinking that I need to do this in order to do better for my kids. The thing is, is that the self-talk that we often have in our mind is I'm selfish for taking on this stuff, or I'm so messed up, or I don't deserve this, or, you know, everybody else should come before me, or why am I so screwed up that I need this? That's what we say to ourselves. But when I'm listening to you say this, my heart swelled because I'm sitting here thinking, crap, your kids are lucky that you made this choice because how many people, like people that are listening to this right now, they are in this burnout. They know that what they're doing with their kids is not right. I knew when I was yelling at my kids, this was wrong. I will say though, that when I was yelling at my husband, I was in a state where I really did think that everything was his fault, which gets into that point with burnout. It really does. Yeah. Um, but if you are at home yelling at everybody, then think about what just what Philippa just said. Like, think about it. She said, I need to start taking care of this to be a better mom or I'm going to screw up my kids like my childhood was. Most of us, like our parents are always doing the best that they can. Us as parents are doing the best that we can. But we are so going to screw up, even though we're doing better than our parents did. And if we don't start looking at ways of, okay, how can I protect my kids on my screw ups, <laughs> then things are just going to be repeated. So that is a huge moment that I think everybody listening needs to hear because that is where it's not selfish. It's not wrong. You are not a bad person. You are not effed up. You know, you are doing the best thing that you can right now for your family and for your kids by actually diving into your crap. Yeah. So what did you do after that cry on the floor? Well, I phoned a therapist and left a message and luckily she phoned me back. Uh, and I went to see her and 
um, I then, so I, I naively thought, I have had little bits of counselling over the past, little bits to sort of get me through a little blip, but not anything serious and certainly not looked at anything particularly deep because I was in blissful ignorance, really. I used to say, oh, my childhood was pretty crappy, but, you know, I'm here now and it, it's yeah. fine. You know, that's yeah. behind me. I'm strong. Uh, well, I, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. I mean, I suppose I never really thought of myself as particularly strong, but I realise now I am. Yes. But um, I, I just I was so busy trying to keep my mask on and hope nobody saw the truth that I didn't really have any mental space for anything other than that, really. Um, but oh, completely sorry, menopause brain completely forgot where I was going with therapy. that. So how is therapy? Yeah. And um she she managed to get persuade me to commit to staying for six weeks because I naively thought at that stage that's perhaps all it would take mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then I you know then I stayed for six months then I ended up staying for three years in the end and but she said to me at the very first session and I was telling her all about what had happened with my eye she said to me I wonder what it is you don't want to see mm. And slowly we looked at all those things that I didn't want to see. We we looked at my dad leaving when I was six, my mum remarrying really quickly, me not feeling safe as though I had a proper place in my house with my stepmom and my stepfather and my um, the, the brothers from that marriage. Um, my mum was an alcoholic, so I came home to chaos every single day and never knew what I was stepping into. You know, all of those, um, you know, my stepfather was okay, but pretty useless, really. You know, he did nothing to, he, he wasn't awful. He was he was as emotionally absent as everybody else had been. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I looked, I, I, I had to look at all those things and feel the pain that I had not allowed myself to feel all those years and, and feel those feelings and know that it, was okay to feel let down, angry, hurt, sad, you know, all of those things. And and actually it it makes complete sense that I feel like that because what I experienced was not good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody had ever said that to me before. Yeah. Um, And, you know, at 47, I, I really understood, you know, what it mean what, what it means to talk about your inner child I really felt that inner part of me and all the hurt that she had felt um and you know it kind of brought us back together again if that's not too woo to talk about that you know I I, I feel like I'd been very separate all those years I do think now, knowing I'm highly sensitive, which we'll get to in a minute, I, you know, I think being highly sensitive heightens that experience yes. of that trauma. I mean, high sensitivity is an innate trait. You're born with it. So the trauma did not make me highly sensitive because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about highly sensitive, high sensitivity. But when you are processing things, when you're processing your sensory stimuli at such a deep level, you are going to take in that trauma and process it and digest it at a deeper level. Yes. So, and that doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me, uh, you know, I shouldn't just get over it. it. It's a real, it's a real thing. It's what I experienced and I needed to heal from it. Absolutely. Um, so there's so much you just said as well <laughs> is there's one, I believe, uh, cause this is, being recorded in advance. I do have a, um, an episode that I did solo on parts therapy where we talk to the different things. So, um, anybody who, if you missed the episode that I do have, it's a couple episodes ago. I know it was after Vincent Van Ohm's, uh, interview. If you go into that one, um, that does dive into the childhood thing. And that has been astronomical for me as well. I know, um, when we're diving into, which I went into in that episode. So um, if you're wondering like how the childhood can actually affect you still as an adult, go and listen to that episode for sure. Um, But parts therapy is huge. We do have these pieces as a child that we still do carry with us and ourself as of now 
knows these things. Yep. Still that child still living in that trauma. And until we deal with that, it's still going to be living inside of us. All of these yeah. different all of these different pieces that part was very much running the show still that hurt angry little girl was still running the show and she's not anymore because I am the adult me is yeah and that was me too I felt like if somebody yelled at me my voice stopped absolutely and here we are and we both have podcasts that's interesting isn't it so we build platforms to allow our voice well it's been fascinating because this podcast is very different than my other podcast my other podcast was teaching and it was ah. safe. This one, I'm diving into things that I know not everybody, like parts therapy, people don't always air into that. Like I'm saying stuff more in this one because I've worked through it. Like you'll yeah. see, hear the difference too in both of my podcasts um, versus me getting that out there and having that voice, my social media, you'll see a difference in it. Like it's, it's fascinating because I didn't feel like I had a voice because I was worried if anybody said anything bad or angry, which did happen to me, I shut off because I didn't feel I had a voice. Yeah. So it's just fascinating diving into all of this. So let's talk about this HSP piece. So 15 to 20% of people are HSP. Yeah. And they're now saying it's more like 20 to 30, actually. It's it's more than they think. Yes. Ah, interesting. And I'm not surprised. Yeah. Me neither. I believe it's a 50 50 split men and women. Yep. And most of them that are HSP as well go into jobs of service. Yes um we do um we can we can do any job we can we can do any job but um it needs to be the right environment that we're working in so it's not necessarily the job it's more the environment that we're working in as much as anything else yes but you will find as well like I, i have a background with working with first responders Yes. And I'm talking to many of them, I'm like, oh, you're HSP, right? As I'm speaking, but I, I don't met, I didn't have a voice yes. in that time. And I didn't say anything. So I'm like, they're not going to believe me. But the ones that I actually did, and I got them to read like your highly sensitive child. Yes. Book, I like the child one, not the adult one, because that's usually where we have the memories mostly yes. of our child yes. is being sensitive. Um, they're like, oh, this hits home. Right. Yes. So yeah. it, it is quite fascinating. So Please tell us what is being highly sensitive. Okay. And just before, while we're still on the stats, about 80% of HSPs are introvert or more introvert than extrovert. I'm, I'm sort of in the middle. I'm a bit of an ambivert. Um, 20% are extroverts. So there is a lot of thought that if you're an extrovert, you can't be HSP. That's rubbish. Yes. Okay. So, you know, yeah. So HSPs and introverts are not necessarily the people who we always used to think they were, which is like people sitting in the corner and not wanting to engage and being very shy and quiet. That it, it, All that thinking around those subjects has exploded now into something very different, which is great. So high sensitivity is um, and highly sensitive person are the same thing. Uh, Elaine Aaron did uh, back in the 90s, did did a study. I can't remember what the study was exactly for, but out of that study, she she um, came across this group of people who were um, displaying some characteristics that she found very interesting. Did you yeah, want to say did you want to say something? Then? Yeah, Elaine Aaron is who wrote that book, Highly Sensitive, yes. just so people yeah. know who we're speaking of as well. Yes. That's right. And she's, she also then went on on the back of this study to write the highly sensitive person. So yes. she coined the phrase, the highly sensitive person. And what she realized is these people have something. So I do, you do called sensory processing sensitivity. It's not a disorder. There is a sensory processing disorder, which is something very different. It's sensory processing sensitivity. And what that really basically means is that out in the world, we are all experiencing um, stimuli. Mm-hmm. you know sight sound taste touch you know everything but we as highly sensitive people are more sensitive to that stimuli so we are processing it in a different way so our brains are wired in a slightly different way and we are processing it usually much deeper and experiencing it in a slightly different way than other people are and the way And I only realized I was an HSP as I finished therapy. I was like, okay, so who am I now? Who am I now? I'm not weighed down by all this childhood trauma. And part of what I discovered about who I am is that I'm a highly sensitive. And I was listening to 
people talk about it and they were saying things like um do you startle easily well I do all the time you know I say boo to me from behind and I'll jump a mile you know do you startle easily um do you um find some smells either really gorgeous and amazing or oh absolutely you know knock you sick so the smell of diesel absolutely makes me mm. want to throw up and and stuff. Fab- fabrics is a really big thing it can you only wear certain fabrics do you like them to be soft and cozy and um comfy do you want have to take the labels out the back of your clothes sometimes because the the label is really scratchy um you know uh tastes i mean i think taste i think super tasters are something different than have maybe enlarged taste buds but you know tastes do you you know do you really sort of like like luxuriate in 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 tasting something wonderful art do you do you feel really moved by a painting and I don't mean just look at it and you go oh that's nice but like just it it stirs something inside of you music does it for me yeah you know I it feels like I can I can feel the music in my body and it 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 just yeah it really moves me Mm-hmm. so those are some of the, some of the signs there's a lot more to it than that but those are the, the external the, the 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 signs that you might appreciate that, and recognize from external stimuli yeah and you don't have to have them all oh gosh no you are so, well through me yeah. with art I have no appreciation for art I'm really like horrible on that one that <laughs> I was just asked to go help be the parent on the school trip for our art gallery and I'm like oh I'll do it if you need yeah but I'd rather do something else right yeah I'd rather be at the science center um but yeah so it's just it it doesn't mean you have to have all of them like with my kids as well one is very very heightened to to light lights yes um yes and especially strip lights they are really bad but but yes sensitivity to light is absolutely one of the key ones yeah my other son and I are both huge to smells yes Um, also with uh with uh, so when they were babies as well like when my oldest was born people would always want to come up to him and he'd be just like whoa like that's just yeah. too much for me too fast yes all the the noise and the stimulation and people around and the smells of them and he'd freak out and it's not that he's shy at all he just needed that time to like get used to the environment exactly so it's it's over stimulation isn't it it is and, and scary movies is another you know oh, yeah. it's, my it's, son will not watch disney movies yeah oh. don't watch any movies at all yeah it's, it's the the music the I don't know what it is but it's free to, he's now almost 12 and he's now just starting to be able to yeah. watch movies yeah but yeah not so that yeah. the ones that you like you know that hold you in suspense and you know something's coming and you know it's going to be awful I mean I just I can't take it well, and I can't take the violence either yeah he wasn't even those we're talking like just based, yes just like, based yeah planes cars like those and I think that that is actually much more um I wouldn't say it's really common but it, it's not as unusual as we would think it, it, it is but I think what happens is a lot of parents will sort of push their kids to to watch it oh look it's just if just watch it and and your child is actually having a completely hideous time by being made to watch a movie they don't want to watch hmm. yeah so how I relate this as well is kind of like a um a drug dog or a uh, a bomb dog where they can go and they can sniff out this drug this drug they can sniff out the bombs where we can't yes like we don't know that a bomb is there we can't smell it but they can they know it's there and we don't question that this dog knows it so for us like with scents and different things as well I know scents have um, synthetic fragrances all have hormone disruptors in them and our bodies just instantly know Ooh, this is actually a chemical okay. that's bad for me that we're actually um just more sensitive to things that are like like a bomb sniffing dog like those hormone disruptors are bad for us it's just that most people don't feel them or experience them so they're like oh it's fine but yeah. then we get all these health issues and stuff coming up or or environmental concerns because of them but people can't feel them like that dog we're not they're not as sensitive to them and you make such a brilliant point there because highly sensitive people you know a lot a friend of mine will say that we're like the canaries in the in the coal mine yes that you know whatever we are experiencing we but we're experiencing it first 
Yes. And it's not that, you know, so we will. And, and it's really interesting when you, you know, because your podcast is about burnout. So in systems and structures that are clearly not working, the highly sensitive people will be feeling that first. Mm-hmm. And instead of dismissing them as, oh, they're just a bit sensitive and they should just be able to get on with it. You know, if we lived in a world where I'm like, oh, whoa, OK, maybe there's something, you know, there's something going on here. We need to look at what is happening. And um, thank you, highly sensitive people, for make, for letting us know this. We need to look at this so everybody else doesn't get sick. Yeah. And so what goes along with this highly sensitive as well as that empath part, too, where we also yes. feel these emotions more. And so when we go into this job of service. And we feel people's emotions more, which is also why we're affected more as a child. So I think of, I was having this conversation with my brother where like he wasn't as affected by the anger of my father or the way that my father spoke with us growing up. He wasn't as affected of it as me. Like, oh, you know, it's just the way it is. But I am highly sensitive and empathic that I felt it. I felt it deep in. You feel when people say something, so you can be in this conversation. So I said that that's him. Then we look at his kids. He have one that is deeply emotional. And, but the thing is, is with all of us, so myself, my niece and my one son, we also know what people need in certain times. We're able to like, like we, we know what they need. We know what they're feeling. So we know how to help them, which is why we go into jobs of service too. And we're so good at them, but they also deeply hit us. So we are more affected where you may have somebody in a situation where, and and I say to my brother, like my brother wasn't as affected as I am. My nephew's not as affected as my niece. My one son's not affected as my other son by stimuli and, and things in their surrounding and things that have happened in their lives. And so it's different. The difference between the really highly sensitive with the higher empath part in them as well, that really feels things deeply and also knows what other people need. So when I was looking at this with first responders as well, a lot is the ones that feel every call, the ones that are like really hit and they're looking at their colleagues and going, okay, why aren't you as affected by this? Yes. Right. Because they're more highly sensitive and more empathic. They, they are. And, you know, empathy is something that all highly sensitive people are really good at. Exactly. And uh, um, and can really feel what it's going to be like for somebody else who's experiencing something, you know, put yourself in their shoes. You, you know, it, it's something that comes really quite easily. There are also some of us who are way up the sensitivity scale, who literally feel everything that from the people that they are with. And and sometimes it's hard to, you know, work out, is this is this what I'm feeling or is it, is it what they're feeling and also it can be what society the collective is feeling so people you know some people just feel it all yeah and you know I think you know in the past that has really been seen as um as something to to be I don't know ashamed of as though it's something bad as though it's something you wouldn't want well you know my view on it and of course it would be because I'm a highly sensitive person is that is something really valuable mm-hmm. you know yes first responders yes there are there are the challenges around managing our energy and making sure that we are looking after ourselves and our nervous system is regulated which is very hard if you're in that sort of first respond responder situation but if 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 things can be put in place to help us manage that then you know, we, you, you know, if you send a highly sensitive person into that situation, the chances are they are going to be picking up on things that a non-sensitive person is not going to be picking up on. Subtle clues that are going to help them understand that actually what would, this is not what this patient needs. They need this, or they're not responding to that. Let's try this. You know, they will be picking up yeah. on things. So anybody who's listening to that, who thinks, oh yeah, I think I do pick up on things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Then I would, I would, you know, I would suggest you explore that a bit more because it, it really is something very valuable. Mm-hmm. It's just at the moment, society's not really caught on to it so that we're not valuing it enough. But I want to tell you, it's very valuable. It's Absolutely. a strength. Yeah, And that's it. Like, so for you and I, you became a coach. I've been coaching for 30 years and it's like, throughout my time, people are like, you're the one that's always got it. You've always understood. You've been able to fit the pieces together. And it's like, I actually didn't realize my value and worth as well in being able to do that. 
And I didn't realize that that is because I am so highly sensitive and in tuned and, 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 and I can really feel people's feelings and, and, and all that through it that, yeah, I can, which I'm assuming you can as well with your yes, clients yes. is, is you sit there and you're like, I can piece it together. Like I can sit there and I do it two hours with somebody at first and really go through all of the stressors that they have had and all of the symptoms. And we start linking them and I start asking them questions and they're like, no one's ever asked me that, or that makes sense when you're fitting this in. And and the thing is, is that they're all different. It's not like it's a cookie cutter thing with people, but it is that empath piece that is like, uh, we can figure out people's stressors. And as you say, like there is the nervous system stressor. And I talk about all these stressors all the time where we have like our gut and our nervous system and our hormones, and we have the nutritional and the physical, but we also have this sensitive side. If we are highly sensitive that we need to start looking into, which means I need to start looking into some more like with toxins, with the fragrances and stuff, or with um, the nervous system in a different way with you. And we start looking into the mindset piece as well. Okay. How do you separate somebody else's emotions from yours? If you're, if you are in that as a child, and you're always feeling the anger or the frustration of your parents or the desperation in your parents, then you start feeling that and think that it's yours. And when you are in a job of service, even like ours working with clients, it does where I have to go in and go, okay, this is where I'm feeling and where I'm at. And if I start taking on those other feelings from somebody, I have to realize, oh, those aren't mine, that's theirs. And then I can dive into it with them because I know that it's theirs. But until you learn that, you take it on and that adds to taking more energy away from you and just it, it can put you in such a burnout because you're taking on everybody else's feelings and emotions and thoughts around you. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's the, the, the other side of it, isn't it? But also what you're doing is so valuable. Um, it, you know, in, in a way, you know, you, you can probably get work through somebody with somebody in a two hour session that it might take three or four sessions with somebody else um and which means really sometimes we have to limit the number of people we can work with because it does take so much and we have to have those breaks in between we have to be able to get out into nature but you put you touched on another strength there which is like big picture thinking we can definitely see the whole picture and put things together and work things out and make connections Mm. that 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 might not necessarily be obvious to somebody else and you, and you say it and the client goes, oh yeah, cool. Right. I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. A very simple, simple example is my kids is just, they walk down the stairs and they'll see that we've moved something or we added something in or like, I never wear makeup, but like one day I think I had mascara on, like, which is nothing. And my, my one son's like, oh, you did your eyes mummy, right? Like from across the room, I'm like, how did you even notice this? Or like, I guess I'd been wearing my hair down and then all of a sudden I changed the level my ponytail was at, like small things. And they're like, oh, you changed where your ponytail is, mommy. That's nice, which I just probably was in a rush and it just was in a weird spot. Yeah. But they notice everything. Yep. They notice everything. And, yeah. and, and that's really valuable. Yeah. It's really valuable to be able to notice those those little changes, those little things. And, and that's the skill that helps us be able to put people at ease. In a room, we can see mm-hmm. who is okay and who's not so okay. And we can sense because our intuition is so strong, yeah. we can sense that, oh, um, maybe we need to open the window. It's a bit warm in here. Or maybe somebody's a bit cold or we need to put the blind down because the, the sun is really affecting that person. But we can just pick up on those. And it's very subtle little yeah. changes in in people's faces or or the way that they are just holding themselves or behaving or you know we can be the one who's sitting in a meeting where everyone's just talking and uh, but we notice the person who's not engaged Mm -hmm. and isn't either their normal self or is you know and we so we you know and then we're really great at connection so we we you know we can go because we have our empathy and we've noticed things we're like we can go and say that see them afterwards and say is everything is everything I just noticed perhaps you weren't quite yourself or you weren't engaged is everything all right do you need to talk do you need any help can I support you in any way and that's why HSPs make fantastic leaders yeah and this is the thing too where we're sitting here and it's like I'm thinking in a corporate setting is as well is like sometimes you're there and you're like is nobody noticing that this person has been struggling for a while or or you're talking to somebody and they're like and you're like, oh, so-and-so is really, I've been noticing. They're like, really? Like, and, and, and in my mind, sometimes I used to think, 
wow, you don't see this. You don't notice this in some person, but now I'm like, oh, you're not an HSP. You're not highly sensitive. Yeah. Um, so when I think back to some of the meetings I've sat in before in my corporate career, before I knew any of this, I, I'd be picking up on things and I'd be like, oh, well, nobody else is saying anything. So the people pleaser in me would go, oh, right, I'll, 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 I'll not say anything either because mm-hmm. nobody else is saying anything. And or nobody's saying anything. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's not something that I should bring up. So because I didn't feel like I had a voice, I wouldn't say it. Um. So really the key, the key to being able, you know, being able to understand the strength in all this is really understanding that high sensitivity is a thing. It is. It really is a thing and believe that. And then we can start to own the gifts that come with it. Mm-hmm. So this actually, I got chills as you were saying something and, and this, this vision came in my mind of my son at one point. So my son has, well, he, he's, he's, he's blocked it out, but he has synesthesia, which I had no idea what this was. I actually just posted on Facebook once that, Hey, my son says he can see numbers in color. And I can see words. I see right. words. So he sees numbers, words, and emotions in color, which now explains to you why he was so overwhelmed going into a room because everybody's bodies had colors, which to me was this, like, as you said, it's this woohoo foreign thing. I'm like, what the heck? But I started reading into it. And I'm like, I started asking him questions. So this was after I'd found out about it. And then I was like, hey, we were in Florida like six months ago. And I'm like, there was, so there was a car accident. There was, we were driving down the highway. It was dark on a Florida road, Florida highway. And the car beside us, we were in the middle lane. The car beside us was ahead of us. And then it swerved into our lane, swerved out into like to the to the shoulder back into our lane back into the shoulder and then into it into a concrete barrier on the the right side and so I got on with 911 I'm trying to I have no idea where we were and all this like we're in a dark road in Florida on the highway my husband was driving and so um I asked him I'm like did you see my colors my emotions that day he goes yeah and I don't know what colors he said but he's like you were this color because you were actually excited to be helping someone. You were this color because you were feeling embarrassed because you didn't know where you were. You were this color because, and he listed like five different emotions that I had and all these colors I had and why. And I was like, oh shit, no wonder this kid gets overwhelmed. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is he's blocked it. He's blocked it because it was so friggin' overwhelming for him Yes. to see that. And that's where too, I'm like, oh, as a baby, like, Everybody was in his face. Everybody wanted to be, and I always was protecting him, but I didn't know why he was just, I'd see that he was, that's the empath in me. I would see. And that's the intuition in you as well. Knowing that he needs, you don't know what it is, but you know, he needs you to protect him until it. He's in distress. He needs space. But now I'm seeing him like, holy, he saw all these colors in people, probably all these excited colors to see this new baby that they just wanted to put all their you know, feels and love into, and it was probably overwhelmed. So all of this stuff as well, it is woohoo. Honestly, it seems woo-hoo, like colors. What the heck? Like, this is weird. But when I started, I was like, when I started diving into this with him, I'm like, he is so spot on. And he was like five years old then five or six. Right. And it's just fascinating that we can be these people that we get into these jobs of service of helping people and doing these things. But until we really understand this piece as well, like I talked, there's so many pieces of burnout, but this is one piece that most people who go into job of service do not realize can lead to their burnout because they are not separating other people's emotions. They're not realizing how heightened their emotions are and they don't have the skills or the understanding or the tools to help them to decrease the sensories around them at times and to strengthen their nervous system to be able to support themselves mm-hmm. through that, that so many of them just get overwhelmed. I see this in first responders, like this is the piece I see in them a lot. And it's like, until we start diving into that, they, the other tools, the other stressors don't um, help them as much until this is the piece with some of them that we start working on. Yeah. And and I see that. And in, in, you know, now I know what I know, looking back, you know, I came from a, 
you know, a, a childhood of um, experiencing trauma, experiencing really deeply. My nervous system was shot to pieces by the time I left home. I then went to university and, you know, somehow got through that. Didn't find it that easy because I hadn't learned the tools that I needed to learn to make great connections with people. But anyway, got through that. And then I went to work as a lawyer in a high stress environment you know, and, you know, I worked, I worked in a big corporate law firm in London for a, a while. And then I moved in, moved around the UK and worked in other big corporate companies. And I just thought I was broken and I couldn't do it. Yeah. Or there was something wrong with, I kept changing jobs and changing cities thinking I'll find the right thing. But actually what I needed to find was what was inside me and understand what was going on inside me. Mm-hmm. Um, because lawyers actually HSPs make really good lawyers because yes. we're good we're good at the detail we're good at the big picture thinking so all of those you know that made me a really good lawyer but also the other side of it made me a very burnt out lawyer and then on, on the edge of a trauma response the entire time yeah so one of the biggest things I learned during therapy and is so important still to me now is to really get my nervous system in a regulated state and really learn those tools that when I am dysregulated how can I bring myself back um and that has been the the best thing I've ever done for myself I'm like a a different woman now yeah myself as well and I question for 30 years and I still have connections with people that I used to like right from the beginning yeah and it's only the last, I'm going to say two to three years that I realized I'm a really good coach. Yeah. You know? Yes. It's, it's so funny because I had to work through all of that as well. Like, yeah. it's just, it's fascinating. And I'm 49 years old. And I realized that too, like just it's only come in in the last little while that I've started realizing how good of a coach I am because of all these skills. Yeah. So that has transitioned you into what you're doing now with yes. Clients. Do you use those tools and bring in those things with your clients that you do? That you oh God, I bring in all sorts. You know, yes. I, I I I use what I use all sorts of modalities. I'm constantly learning and and, yeah. and looking for new things that that are going to help because I'm I'm you know everyone's different, aren't they? And everyone needs help in a different way. And everyone, you know, we need we always need to find a way. Where is the way in to start the work, isn't it? And uh, so yes you know it, it can be starting with nervous system regulation it can be just talking it, it can be gosh it can be are you an I mean I do have I do seem to attract a lot of HSPs so it can be understanding about HSPs sometimes that comes at the beginning sometimes we have to do some work to then look at HSP like further on it, it just depends on where they're at but I very much use all my life experience to and my highly sensitive skills to to help them. I mean, you know, one of the main things is when clients come to me and I'm sure it is to you, they need to know that what they're experiencing is not that there's something wrong with them. They don't need fixing. Yes. It's not that they're broken. They don't need fixing. None of us need fixing. What we do need to do, I think, because we're not brought up in a society to understand our own uniqueness and understand how wonderful we are just as we are. Yes. Yes. And once we start realizing all the gifts and tools that we were given that we have actually thought were um, pieces that were broken or wrong with us. Oh man. The things that we can do is exactly. And watching that in your client, that's the best in my clients. And I am imagining with you too, like that's why I do what I do. It, it, absolutely me too and and I think so I, I did a coaching program um as well for highly sensitive uh, coaches which really helped me hone in on what it is what is my particular gift and and what I seem to have this knack of doing is understanding where people's conditioning is really getting in their way of and, and maybe this sounds really obvious because it, it feels really obvious to me but you know they'll come with something tell me a story or something or something that they want to work on and I will almost instantly be able to get to what it is in their conditioning what has happened in their childhood what has happened to them over the past that makes them feel like that and then we can start unlocking w- w- whatever it is and that it just just comes really easily to me yeah. and yeah. we we all have that all those highly sensitive people and I and also our journey in life is 
really has been leading us to where we are supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And I think the hardest part, which I'm sure you probably find this as well, is when they're not your client, when you're actually just out and I'm like speaking to somebody and I'm like, oh, you're in deep burnout. Yeah, I know. And you just have to say anything. But I usually start with one or two questions to see like if they even want to dive into it. Yeah. And the majority don't, if they're not ready, that's okay. But like, there's times where I just keep thinking about at home and I'm like, oh man, you know? And, and, and that's part of like where we just want to help so many people, but it is, it's, it's, we see so much then that once we get into our specialty, which for me is burnout, your specialty at this moment is with your clients. Well, it's interesting. I haven't quite put that into words that yet I'm still, I don't know about you, but it's taken me a while to get the words, but you know, I don't know unpicking childhood, uh, unpicking conditioning and something which, which is not a phrase. So I can't say that, but yeah, yeah. something so, like that. The people who it resonates with know they want to work with me. And that's, that's all I can say. It's something in my story, being a child of an alcoholic, highly sensitive, a lot of childhood trauma, or it's holding them back. Something yeah. is holding them back and they don't know what it is. And you're really good at diving into figuring out what is holding them back and getting them to that next step. Amazing. Yeah. And I think with burnout too, there's times where I'm like, should I really be saying this is burnout? Because this is way more like when we're diving into it, like we're diving into the, the mental side, the, the physical side, but I guess I'm bringing into like 30 years of personal training, nutrition, coaching, sure. therapy, like all of the body stuff as well. And the gut and the hormones. So I'm like, yeah, I have, I've really struggled to say exactly what it is that I do as well. So I completely feel you on that. <laughs> um, all right. So Philippa, this has been absolutely amazing (laughs) before we leave there's so many golden nuggets in here i just love and this is a topic that i have not spoke about deeply so thank you for making this such a a great safe space and such a great conversation i think this is what so many people need to hear um because those that are struggling often are highly sensitive and empathic so diving into that side um Before we go, I do have all of your social media links and stuff. I'm going to put them in the show notes for people that are listening and just want to go to them right now. Where should they go to? And then I have one more question for you. Okay. So my website is safeandsupported.co.uk. So you can find out about my book, my podcasts, about my coaching, everything on there. Read a bit more about my story. So that's probably the best place to go. You will find me on Instagram um as safe and supported coaching and you will find me on LinkedIn as Philippa Robinson but um my website's probably the best place to start yeah that's amazing go to that one spot and everything is in there for you to go and if you want um for ease as well go down into the show notes and just go click 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 on all of the social media and then website come and say hi you know send me a message and say hi and you heard me here on Andy's great podcast that would be lovely to hear from you yeah absolutely and your podcast as well if the with podcast of course of course HSP connection is my new podcast with my friend Robbie so um yeah and we're talking all about yes the challenges of being highly sensitive but who doesn't have challenges but also we really want to re reframe not reframe it we want people to know the 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 positives about being highly sensitive it's a gift it really is a gift absolutely is that gift so if you want to learn more about hsp as well then go to philippa's podcast um make sure that you like it and subscribe same with mine like it and subscribe because that is how other people then hear about us if you could go on to apple or spotify even if that's not where you listen, just kind of sneak in there and do some sort of review on either of them. That will help both of us with our podcast. So you now know how to find us. If you, you can, Philippa, if there is one thing that you feel that we missed telling people today or one thing you feel that they need to know, what is it? Can I have two? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so in line with what we've talked about, I would say, please do understand that high sensitivity is a thing. Yes. It's not just something namby-pamby to sort of brush under the carpet. It is absolutely a thing. So whether it's you, some of your uh, family, a colleague, somebody who is talking about it, please do not dismiss it. It is absolutely a thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
And the other thing is what I usually say, but we haven't really talked about it here, but what I usually like to leave, leave people with, it is never too late and you're never too old to start learning about yourself, who you are and about some of the things we've been talking about here. I mean, I did nothing. I did not know that my past was with me for so long and that what I didn't know is that I could heal from it. And I was 47 before I started any of that. So please do know it's never too late. I'm 49 and I started therapy at 48. Yeah. So you beat me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's really interesting. 47, 48 seems to be a real time. Hitting perimenopause big time seems to be a real time for women, I think. So because um, I've had a lot of clients who've come to me at that age. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is. And just coming more into myself that I'm like, oh, man, I wish I did this sooner, which is why I've already got my kids set up with a therapist so that when I screw up, they um, have somebody to help and lean on so they don't have to wait until they get to where I am. Well, what an amazing mum you are too. Thank you. And what a great podcast and what a great chat this has been. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this has been amazing. All right. Thank you everybody for listening to the Burnout Expert podcast. Absolutely go into the show notes. You can find all of Philippa's um, links in the show note. You can find my links to get on my email list to find out about all of the podcast links. Um, go in there and definitely um, uh, poke around, sign up for what you would like to sign up for. We would love to see you. And please leave us both either a review on our podcast, like subscribe, because that is how more people can find this podcast and find Philippa's podcast. And we will see you in the next episode.